0: Everybody, I'm so glad you guys are here. If you can't see me behind the TV, I'm, I, I see you kind of for just a second. Um, but I love you guys. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Matt Wolfe. I'm the lead pastor here. We're going to start our new series in just a minute. But this morning I, I looked uh, briefly at Facebook and one of my friends who's a church planter just outside of Provo, Utah, posted a picture from his front yard and there were flames everywhere. Um, and so I just want to take a minute to pray for the fires and those affected by it in our country. Would you guys pray with me? Um, Lord God, we just pray right now um, for these fires, Lord, that you'd put them out. Lord, there's been a lot of uh, heat in our country. We pray that you bring in cold, that you bring in rain, that you bring in snow like you did here in Colorado to put out these fires uh, throughout our country in Utah, Colorado, Oregon, and California. Lord, we pray that you'd keep people safe, get them evacuated in time, keep our firefighters and those who are on the front lines serving our country that way, that you'd keep them safe and protect them and bless them for their service to our nation. Um, I pray uh, all these things and this protection in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Okay, thanks for praying for me uh, with that. Um, So we are starting a new series today called At Our Core. At Our Core. So who we are at our core. Throughout this series, we're going to unveil our new name, like we said at the business meeting, but we're going to have a whole message on that. And we have these seven core values that we're kind of unleashing today. And just for a little background, um, we have some of you, if you've been here for a while, you've seen our signature themes. They're even upstairs on the wall. There's uh, one for each of the six signature themes. But if you look in our bylaws, we actually have three sets of core values, including those signature themes. And, And I think just over the decades, our church and our church goes way back. We have a long history into the 1890s. It was replanted, of course, up here in Stapleton, now Central Park neighborhood in 2007. But if you look back, that's a long history. So there's a lot of things that have developed. And we looked at these three different sets of values. They're all good, but it's like you can't remember three different sets of values. It's hard enough to remember one, right? So what we've done is condensed all three into one set of values, um, and it's really carrying on from the past with maybe a little bit fresher language for right now. There's a couple things that are going to be a little new, though, as well for these core values. So that's why we're going to unleash these in these, this eight-week series. So there's seven core values, and we're going to have a message on our new name and, and what it means for us as a church going ahead. It's a good name promise you're going to be excited about it. Um, So what I want to do, if you're hearing my voice, if you're watching online or if you're here in person, I want you to commit to being here for these eight weeks. If you're like, oh, my gosh, I already have a trip scheduled. That's okay. Join us online. Okay, we can do that. You can even subscribe to our YouTube or our uh, podcast app so you get those messages sent straight to your phone so you don't miss them. But I want you to commit to these eight weeks, even if you're brand new here commit to these eight messages and say, I want to find out what this church is about. What are our values that we say? These are at our core who we are. Because these values determine our actions. They determine how we interact with each other here in the church and interact with people around us in our world. And that's why they're so important. And today's value that we're going to learn is transformational teaching. Transformational teaching. And, and I do want, if you guys can memorize them, that'd be awesome. But I'm just going to go through these seven core values. They are transformational teaching, vibrant community, bold outreach, generous living, next-gen investment, passionate worship, and a multiplication mindset. So over the course of this series, we're going to talk about what each of those things mean. Some of you are like, well, that just sounds like any church. Yeah, a a little bit, okay? We we think these things are very biblical. But we're also saying that as we talk about each one of them, they're what make our church unique. They're our pillars, our foundation uh, of these different pillars that kind of hold up, you know, what we are as a church. These abutments, maybe. you You can imagine the abutment, okay? Just imagine seven of those that hold us up as a church. What are the things that make us, I think, powerful, unique? And this first one is transformational. Teaching because we believe that God's Word has power and we teach God's Word here accurately and relevantly to transform lives. That's that fuller statement. Transformational teaching means we teach God's Word accurately and relevantly to transform lives. Because transformation is what we're going for. And I think a lot of people, even if you're new here, maybe even new to faith, you come and say, hey, I would like to be transformed. I would like things to be different in my life. And as we talked about last week, I I think last week's message was a great bridge to today, is that we want to be transformed, but behavioral change is one of the hardest things in the world to accomplish. We know that for ourselves, and we certainly know it for other people. Back in the 1990s, there was a study done uh, in the state of Washington because they wanted to see if an educational program that they were laying out would be able to transform the next generation so that they wouldn't smoke. So what they did is for eight years, they had a whole teaching program curriculum that they, they built into the schools that they made sure it was everywhere and in every age uh, group, and they wanted to track for eight years how this would change kids so that they wouldn't smoke. And they would teach them about some of the, you know, the health problems that come along with smoking, that it can lead to cancer, lung cancer, to emphysema, um, things like COPD. And they taught about why smoking is bad for your health. For eight years, they committed to this. And what they found is that at the end of the eight years, 24.3% of the kids, the students that went through this program were smokers. 24.3%. But they also had a control group, right? That's what you're supposed to have in a good experiment. There's a control group that didn't receive those eight years of instruction, those eight years of teaching and information about smoking. Guess what the percentage of kids in that group, the control group, were that were smokers? 24.7% were smokers. That means that the, between the group, there's what? 0.3.4 percent difference between eight years' worth of educational information. It, it's almost non-existence, the difference, right? between these two groups, that the education that the information that was given to these kids was not enough to change their behavior. You guys tracking with me on this? I think another great example of, of this is um, the um, five oh I'm sorry. I'm I'm having a brain freeze. Let me look at it. The five a day campaign. I should have remembered this because I remember this as a kid, right? The five a day campaign. Anybody remember this? It was the WHO wanted to do this worldwide, but the U.S. picked it up and they said, we want everyone to have five servings of fruits and vegetables a day, five a day campaign. And it was a huge campaign. Millions and millions of dollars were poured into this campaign. You may remember being taught this in school. There were posters in schools. They were even in workplaces. In lunchrooms, they'd have the five a day. We want everybody to do this. And they wanted to teach the information. That if you have these five servings of fruits and vegetables, I think it was about 400 grams of fruits and vegetables a day, that it had significant improvement on your health. And there were studies that proved this. And they taught the studies. And they said, hey, this could reduce your risk of dying by 20% of dying early, of of heart disease and some other things. There was great benefits that they were teaching and educating kids and adults to have five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. How much do you think that impacted people's fruit and vegetable intake? Turns out that over the millions of dollars and and years and years that they taught this five-a-day campaign, people uh, eating fruits and vegetables, the percentage actually went down. People were eating less and less fruits and vegetables. Some of you are like, yeah, that's me. Um, I had chicken nuggets and fries this morning for breakfast. Okay. We don't judge you here. But the point is, is that they found with that study as well, that information itself did not lead to transformation. Information on its own is necessary for transformation But it's not sufficient for transformation. Are you guys tracking with me? You need to know some things. There's no point in changing your behavior if you don't realize that it's important. But there's no way to actually lead to that transformation if there's only information. Interesting, right? Because behavior change is one of the hardest things to accomplish, to actually change our lives. And that's why we believe here that God's word actually can do that. And what we're going to see as we read this, this, we're going to dial in on one verse and look at a few other verses in our message today, but we're going to see that God's word that is taught accurately and relevantly actually does have a power. And you say, well, isn't that just more information? No, it's not because there's a power behind what is written in God's word, what we call the Bible that can seep down into our souls, into our hearts, that can change us from the inside out. And there are studies that we'll look at today that prove that as well. So what we're going to say as we focus on this core value is that we believe in transformational teaching here. That's what we focus on. That's what we, we strive after in everything we do, transformational teaching, because we believe that we need to teach God's word accurately and relevantly to transform lives. So I said we're going to focus on one verse that we kind of pull the, the main thing from, but we're going to jump around throughout the Bible. So actually it's two verses. What I want you to do is open up your Bibles if you have them or your smartphones. Get there to 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. If you're watching online, pull it up in another tab or maybe on your phone or even get out your physical Bible. Those are great. I love that some of you guys have your physical Bibles here this morning, even though you had to lug your chairs and your masks and all your other stuff. But we're going to get there whether it's on your phone or in your physical Bible to 2 Timothy three sixteen. And 17. This is our main passage, and we'll jump around to some other ones to um, supplement what this little section of Scripture says. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, we read, All Scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And we'll get to verse 17 in a little bit. All Scripture, Paul writes to a young pastor named Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I love these two letters that Paul wrote, First Timothy and Second Timothy, because they were letters that uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, a guy that he had trained and mentored, and now he sat in a, a, a church in uh, Ephesus, in the ancient world, in, in Ephesus, and Timothy was there by himself trying to figure out what it means to be a young pastor. I kind of know what he feels like, and Paul's saying, hey, here's some things you need to know. And this is one of the most important things he said is that all scripture is God breathed. And I want to focus on that for a second. He's saying all scripture. And at this point, it had already been established. The what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, that there are these thirty nine books from Genesis all the way in our Bibles to Malachi. And these thirty nine books are are God's scripture. But at this point, already some of these letters like Timothy were being written. And Paul refers back to the Gospels as Scripture. And Peter, one of the other early church leaders, refers to Paul's letters as Scripture. So at this point, they were already referred to as Scripture. So we know, because now that what we call is the canon, the the whole Bible, the New Testament has been established as well. The 27 books we call the New Testament, the Christian Scriptures. That those 27 plus the 39 equals 66, in case you're doing the math at home. That these 66 books make up what we call the Bible, that we call the Word of God. And all this scripture, every single word, every single phrase, every single idea that is expressed in these 66 books, Paul is saying, is God breathed. That word God breathed, we think Paul may have written that word, kind of coined it himself. It's two words kind of pushed together, literally God and breathe. And he's saying as as God breathed out and, and in his power he created the universe, he also created these books, this one book that come together. And that's all scripture. And it's all directly from the mouth of God. Some of your versions, if you're reading it in a different version other than in the NIV, might say inspired. Okay, that, That's another way to think of it. It's inspired by God. But it's breathed out by him. I think that has a lot of power. As you see, can you just imagine God breathing in to these words, these sentences, these paragraphs. And that's a powerful thing that God, Because you may know about some of the other holy books or scriptures, some of you may be from a different religion or tradition, and you think about like the Quran or, or the Book of Mormon. If you look at most other religions, there's kind of two different types of holy books that you'll see. There's the one type that, that says God basically gave this word for word to one person. Whether it's, uh, you know, the Quran that was given through an angel to Muhammad in a cave or, or to Joseph Smith as he received these golden plates that had the Book of Mormon. So it was almost like God just handed over the scriptures. That's one type of scriptures you'll see throughout the world that people call scriptures. There's another type that are just wise men, learned men who have learned a lot and they write down different aphorisms, different pieces of wisdom, things like Confucius, what he wrote. OK, those things. So on one side, it's like it's 100 percent from God. There's no human at all involved at all. And on the other side, there's it's 100 percent human, just wise words. Right. Those are what people kind of refer to as scriptures. But what this is saying is that it's God breathed through the human authors. In fact, Peter, who would write some of our scriptures, writes in 2 Peter one twenty-one. in one of his letters, he writes, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. One of the beautiful and amazing things is that the dozens of different human authors that we have that wrote this book over, over a thousand years, 66 books, that's a long time. There are kings, there are poets, there are peasants, there are shepherds that are writing different things, there's historians like Luke, there's um, missionaries like Paul, and they're all writing different things of it. But what they're saying here is that God in His Holy Spirit comes along and carries along the author. So there's a human author, that's why each book is a little bit different, because each human is a little bit different, right? (laughs) And God breathes into those people, His Holy Spirit carries them along as they write. So what we say with our scriptures is, yes, it's 100% God and there's 100% human in there too. That doesn't mean there's error. In fact, we believe that there's no error. This is part of our statement of faith because God carried along. It's God breathed in that. But that's the amazing way that God works. He works through people like us. And he worked through people like Peter who had all sorts of issues and Paul who had been a murderer even, right? Stood there as some of the early Christians were murdered. In approval. But God transformed him and and empowered him to write 13 of the letters. 13 of the books in our 27 New Testament books. That's all from Paul. And it's God breathed. God breathes it out. So that's why we believe it's holy. That's why we believe it's authoritative. That we believe it is inspired. But it also teaches us about life. And it's sufficient for all things that we need to know for faith and practice. We believe these things about God's word. Wayne Grudem, who's one of the great theologians alive today, he says that all the words in Scripture are God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any word of Scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. What I say isn't authoritative, but God's word is. You guys catch the difference? (laughs) Hopefully I say some good stuff, some helpful stuff. But my word definitely has some error in it, right? I'm human. I'm going to mess up. I am not carried along by the Holy Spirit in the same way that the prophets and the apostles were. But yet in this book, it's God-breathed. And that's why it is authoritative as God's word to us. And that's why when we preach and teach, we teach from this book. Always from this book. And only from this book. Peter elsewhere in his first letter, 1 Peter 4.11 it's talking about what you're supposed to do if, if your job is like me to teach. It says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. We teach God's word. The, the central idea of every message we have comes from God's word. And is hopefully just a rephrasing of what is already in here. The same idea. And that's what we strive to do in everything. That's why every week I spend hours and hours and hours studying the Hebrew and the Greek and, and reading commentaries from other people and praying through it so that I can take God's word and teach it to you. But it's not just here on Sunday mornings or, or what I do uh, as I preach. It's also in Elevate Kids. Every week they take scripture. They have usually one Bible verse or a section and they'll take it and they'll break it down and make it simple. They'll have like their big idea, their, their takeaway that they want every kid to leave with, which is God's word. And Turbulence as well at Youth Group. Sawyer is doing a great job that he's taking God's word and he's teaching it to our teenagers here so that they can take it and become lifelong followers of Jesus. That it isn't just something that's taught in the home and then they walk away and and then it's gone. No, no, no. We take God's word everywhere here. We take it seriously. We teach people to to read God's word, to memorize it. It's so important for us. It's why even in our community groups that are launching this week, please sign up, stapletonchurch.com slash groups like that little plug at our community groups, we take the message that was preached on Sunday and we discuss it Okay, because we want you to take that and get it so deep down into your school that you're talking into your soul, that you're talking about it, that you're applying it to your life. And you're around other people who are going to say, how are you doing that in your life? And they'll ask you, how are you doing that? Right? Because we want to take God's word and we go even deeper into it to apply it to our lives. And that's why we do sermon based small groups here our community groups are, are centered around the message that is preached on Sunday because information does not lead to transformation. Okay? You do need to learn more about God's word, but most of the problem that we have as Christians is that we're not doing what it says. <laughs> right? Can we be honest? Every single one of us knows far more about the Bible than we've actually done. <laughs> Very few of us don't know enough. And if you don't, we hope that you learn it. Okay, that's why we have Sunday mornings. That's why I encourage you to worship weekly, to choose community so you can dive down deeper, to memorize scripture, to develop disciplines in your life so that you're reading the Bible every day. Because, yes, we need some information, but we want that in, to be applied to our life. And that's why Paul says all scripture is useful. You see that? All scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. And those first two, teaching and rebuking, are more about theology, about doctrine, about belief. To teach what is right and to rebuke what is wrong. But in the, the third and fourth verbs, to, so teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, those are about behavior. So that not only in your head, but in your life and in action, you'll be corrected into doing the right thing and trained also to do the right thing. So corrected from the wrong thing, trained into do the right thing. Does that make sense? To think rightly and to live rightly. That's what all scripture is for. Some people um, say, I, you know, I wish God would speak to me. I wish God would, you know, give, give me a special word or, or appear to me as an angel or whatever. People are always asking for things like that. But God has already spoken. He has already written you 66 books that you could spend the rest of your life reading and studying. And, and it's sufficient for your life to find salvation, to live out the way you're supposed to following Jesus. So I encourage you, I encourage you to love this book as much as we do. We believe that this book is God's word. And that's why we teach God's word here. We teach God's word. We teach God's word and it matters how we teach it as well. What, what we teach is important, but also how we teach it. Think about this. A lot of people think that I'm a Bible teacher. They'll call their pastor a Bible teacher. I'm actually not a Bible teacher. I use the Bible to help you follow Jesus. Okay? The end of the Bible is not so you can learn more about it. You can learn more about the Bible in a literature class in college, right? It's not to learn more about the Bible. It's so that you can get the Bible and then it transforms you. It leads you to follow Jesus. And that's why how we teach it matters. And the the two words that we use are two adverbs to explain how we teach God's Word is accurately and relevantly. Accurately and relevantly. And for this, I'm going to jump to a couple other passages. I want you to look in 2 Timothy 2.15. So if you're in 2 Timothy, just jump back a couple chapters, just one chapter. 2 Timothy 2.15. We read, uh, Be a good worker, in the New Living Translation, one who correctly explains, He says, make sure that you correctly explain the word of truth. In some versions it says, rightly dividing the word of truth. But what it's saying is, take it and explain it correctly, accurately. So it is true to what God has said. Is okay, with me on that? Accurately. Accuracy is so important for what we do. We want to actually say what God teaches. That's why I do spend as much time as I do studying each week, so it can be as accurate as possible. We want it to be accurate, and and I'm sure you've seen this online on social media, Twitter, Instagram. You'll see from people all over the place, even politicians, quoting scripture, right? Both sides of the aisle about the same topic, you know, totally different opinions, and they'll quote scripture. And the question always is, is is that accurate? Because is it accurate in what it says, and is it also accurate to the context of where that comes from? We want to teach God's word accurately, so it's not just our opinion or to bolster our political position. We want it to be accurate, to be true. If God has spoken, we want to make sure that we speak as accurately as possible. But there's the second adverb we use that we teach both accurately and relevantly. Relevantly. Back in the Old Testament in the book of Nehemiah, it was a time when God's word hadn't been taught, the people had been in exile because they were living in sin, and finally God brought them back into the promised land, into Israel, and they were rebuilding, they were rebuilding the wall in the book of Nehemiah, and then Ezra comes along. Who's priest, is beginning to teach them. And Ezra brings along the Levites, who were the, the temple workers, and they're beginning to teach, and this whole group is teaching, and it says that they taught for about eight hours straight, okay? You think I'm going long today. Eight hours straight, they're teaching. But what it says in Nehemiah 8.8 is that they read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand these passage. That's what they were doing. They are saying, hey... Here's the scripture, but we need to help you understand it. We need to make it relevant for your life, because it is relevant, so we've got to explain it in a way you're going to understand. It can be hard sometimes to read the Bible, right? I'm sure some of you have been, and you've heard sermons preached, hopefully not from me, and they make no sense to you at all. You leave there and you say, what the heck did that guy just say? Anybody done that? You can raise your hand for that. If it was about me, don't raise your hand. what the heck is he saying? I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. It might be God's word. It might be 100% accurate. But what the heck did he just say? Or you read the scriptures yourself you guys are reading Scripture, and you're seeking to understand it. You're seeking to understand it because that's what we we should all be trying to do. There's things that I read in Scripture, and I'm like, what the heck, right? But what we're trying to do is take that and not only understand it accurately, but make it relevant to our lives. It's not just about what happened in in a far-off culture, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, right? You know, sometimes it feels that way about Scripture. But we're taking that, what happened in the ancient world, and we're bringing it in because it is so relevant to what we do. And the way we speak about it, the way we talk, the, the illustrations I use, I hope that it interacts with your life, that you understand it, that it's applicable to you because it is relevant. You know, uh, we use both these words now in our core value, accurately and relevant. So, um, you know, you've been to some churches, maybe you know what I'm talking about, and it's, we're all about accuracy, we're going to be true, and, and we're just going to read through the scripture, and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't understand it. How does it apply to my life? Like, I, I just learned about, you know, this crazy story in numbers. <laughs> I got it, but what the heck does that mean for me? I'm using the word heck a lot today, it sounds like. Um, it, and, and maybe that's because we're like, if it's just accurate, sometimes it's hard to understand, right, and apply But if it's just relevant, what people do is I want it to be relevant and they're going to water it down so much that it loses its power. And even to the point, I've seen this where people go away from the Bible because we want to be relevant to our people and our culture. And in our culture, we say that this thing's a sin and this thing's not a sin. So even though the Bible says it, let's try to make it relevant to our people, right? And now you're not teaching God's word anymore. So that's why we say we hold both of them. Okay, last summer or maybe it was two summers ago, we did a series called Grace and Truth, you know, where Grace and Truth collide, and we said we must be 100% grace-filled and 100% truth-filled. We hold that like you're you're pulling a rope tight, right? If you let one of it go, you're, you know, if you're playing a game of tug of war, you're gonna fall over. You need to hold it both tightly. So just like we hold Grace and Truth tightly, we hold accuracy and relevancy tightly. Always both those things. Always both those things. Whether it's here on Sunday mornings, Wednesday night with our kids, elevate kids, anything we have to do throughout the week, we want it to be accurate and relevant. Um, That's why we use this translation of the Bible, the NIV, New International Version. That's why I use it, because I think it's the greatest balance of both accuracy and relevancy. It's both of them together. You you might like another one better if if you're new to the Bible. You might like the New Living Translation. That's why I quote from it sometimes, because it's... It's a little bit easier to understand, a little more relevant to your life. Some of you are like, well, I like the ESV and the, the New King James Version because they're more accurate. Okay, yeah, but why I like the NIV is kind of right in the middle. There's no perfect translation, but I feel like, hey, it's pretty good in the middle. Pretty good in the middle between both of these things. So that's what we do. Uh, another thing that people debate in the, in the church world is, is do you teach topically. Do we want to search the Bible for topics that apply to our life or do we want to look at the Bible and preach expository so whatever the passage says we teach? And no, we probably lean more towards the expository, What we do is, when we teach a topic like kind of what we're doing today, we teach it from the scriptures. And when we take a passage of the Bible and we're saying, hey, we're going through the gospel of Luke, we want to take it and make it to a relevant topic for our lives. Okay, To be both of those always together, tight. We teach God's word accurately and relevantly here. And then there's the third section. Judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word has a power, like it's a surgical power to get right down deep into your soul, dividing your soul and spirit, which aren't separable, different churches and 250,000 Christians. And they study them and they try to figure out, okay, what's helping people grow in their spiritual growth. And I know this is a long quote, but I want to read this to you. It's so interesting. can engage in interesting right information does not lead to transformation but god's word does it does and it's the most powerful thing we do as followers of jesus this study said getting god's word not just hearing it but talking about it maybe going to lunch afterwards or staying around for our new friends lunch today to talk about god's word and then taking it and discussing it with your small group and then reading it throughout the week Thinking about it, chewing on it, meditating on it, memorizing it so it lives in your soul. And when you do that, it will transform your life. We teach God's word accurately and relevantly to transform lives. That's why our first core value that we're going to say is foundational to us is transformational teaching. You guys with me? And we love the Scriptures because the Scriptures themselves do not give us eternal life. But as Jesus himself said, the Scriptures point to me. The Scriptures testify about me. They're all about Jesus. The Old Testament points forward to Jesus, the Messiah who would come. And the New Testament describes his life, his death, his resurrection, and what comes out from him, right? It tells us that Jesus, the God of the universe, came down to not only give us this book, but to come down in human flesh, to live among us, to show us what God is like, who God is, and to love us, to live for us, and in turn to die for us, that when we believe in him and his name, we can be forgiven of our sins and completely transformed from the inside out. The word of God is so powerful because it is the word about Christ, about Jesus himself. And that's why it has so much power, the power to like a splitting of an atom that can cause an explosion in your life that will radically change things. And I want you to experience it. And I want you to experience it again and again and again, every week, every day for the rest of your lives. And I want you to take God's word then and to bring it to other people. And I just want you to imagine what that would mean if we really did believe that God's word was God's word and that it could transform us. Think about how it would transform our own lives. That it would help us overcome our sin and addictions and the things that we're doing that are destructive to ourselves. It would help us live a full life and find peace. It would help our families, that it would restore broken marriages, that it would bring families together. It would help parents to to love and discipline their children correctly and for parents to honor and respect their parents and to be a family filled with love. That teenagers that are so rampant today wouldn't be struggling with as much anxiety and depression, but they would be able to find the peace of God that transcends all understanding. That we'd be able to take this out of here and, and to go into our businesses and our workplaces to do everything for the glory of God to live differently, to work differently, to love differently, that they would experience the love of God through us, through our actions and our words. Think of how that would change our neighborhoods, that we wouldn't be fighting and so uh, just ripping each other's throats politically, right? We'd instead say, hey, we can disagree and love and be united, especially here in the church, that it would lead to a transformation of our community and of our world if we would allow God's word to transform us from the inside out. And I believe that we can see God work in that way in our church. And we're going to strive for that. And I hope that you will want to be a part of it. We teach God's word accurately and relevantly to transform lives. I, I went a little long today. Um, but, but Bobby, are you? I don't even know where Bobby is. We we're going to do one more song. Hey, there he is. He's ready, man. He's, he's the go. So we're going to do one more song to wrap up our time together as we ask for God, the word of God to speak, not just individually to our souls, but through the word of God into our lives, right? And what I want to encourage you to do, if you um, are, are new, please stick around. We're going to have the food. I think it's going to be here at 11. I know it's, it's only 10 or so, but, but you can talk to some people, meet some people. Um, you know, we, we want you to become a part of our church. If you're saying, hey, I think I want to be a part of a church that teaches God's word accurately and relevantly to transform lives. I want you to stick around for that. And I'm going to say a prayer for us right now, and then Bobby's going to close us out. Um, Lord God, we are so grateful for your word that you decided to speak to us, that you cared enough to speak to us Um, that that your word is is truthful, that it's without error, that it is authoritative for our life, Lord, and we'd never forget that. Would we allow God's word to work as the Holy Spirit works through it into our, our souls? Would we allow it to just judge our thoughts and our attitudes of our heart so that we would be changed and transformed? Lord, I pray that each one of us would learn to love your word that we would every day desire it and grow in our desire for it. And then when we eat it, like Jeremiah said, it was, it's our joy and our heart's delight. Lord God, use us and use our church to transform lives, to transform communities, and in turn to transform the world. I pray this all in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Hey, this is Matt Wolf again, a lead pastor of Stapleton Church. If you have benefited at all from our ministry today, I want to encourage you to do three things. First, subscribe. Subscribe on whatever device you're using so that you can make sure that you get our messages and services every single week. The second thing I want to do is I want to get to know you. There's some people that have been joining us online this summer in the pandemic, and I still haven't had a chance to get to know you, and I care about you. I love you. I want to be your pastor. So if you could, fill out the form at stapletonchurch.com slash new, and I want to reach out to you personally to get to know you. Please do that. And the third thing is to give. If you have benefited from our ministry, if we have helped you take a step in your journey to follow after Jesus, please go to stapletonchurch.com give and set up a recurring gift to our church so that it would not only support our ministry, but our ministry around the world, so that you would be helped to follow Jesus and other people would be helped to follow Jesus so we can multiply our effectiveness in this world. Please go to stapletonchurch.com give and I will see you next week.